Talk Live, 1-855-450-3733. It's another live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. You can give us a call. Take take control of the airwaves at 855-450-3733. You know, most talk shows aren't providing you with seven days a week of talk content. But Free Talk Live... We do that for you. We care about our listeners. We know you want live content on the weekend, Sundays, from 7 to 10 Eastern. We provide it to you. That's why we're number 52 on the heavy hundred of talk radio, right? <laughs> you, you know, to most folks, you hear number 52. Yeah, it doesn't sound that impressive, it's but it is. Great, but it's really awesome yeah. from where, where I sit. Mm-hmm. Um, Free Talk Live is a relatively new show. It has, uh, you know gotten where it was without any real corporate big corporate help yeah clear channel doesn't sponsor free talk live although some of its uh stations do allow us on their airwaves uh, you know we're not uh, there's not any tall building with gl- big shining glass windows and secretaries and uh you know sales managers and and custodians running through it we don't have that free talk lives a little independent show that we've managed to put together and we're very proud of moving, um, at being on the heavy hundred list for four years, moving from ninety-seven to eighty-four to seventy-nine, and then zip up to fifty-two. It's because of the Sunday Show, isn't it? It might be the Sunday <laughs> Show. Uh, you know, uh, XM. Just making a joke there, but yeah, I mean, not too many talk radio shows are on every single day. That's true. That's a huge deal. And you know, Free Talk Live has had a lot of growth in the last year. I would say, right, with the new stations in New York City, and you know, that's Toledo was yep. a big one that we added. And XM, I think that there's no way. Oh yeah, to, you know, we get no a lot of calls from XM. Don't diminish we? the uh, the value of XM. It's it's huge. I mean, it's nationwide, and uh, the people that listen to it, they care about what they they, they care enough about listening to the content that they're paying for it and that's um, you know that's tremendous so we're on extreme talk on the weekends which is the show's on right now uh, channel i think it's 165 yeah. and uh, <laughs> during the week we're on uh, america's voice maybe 166 um, I, you know i don't know all the names specifically of them but we're very happy you know things are things are going well and you can check out freetalklive.com where we let the listener not only control the airwaves here at 855-450-3733, but at freetalklive.com, you can link to, uh, I guess, is it dink- link to? Uh, sure, blog post. post. Yeah. <laughs> post <laughs> uh, blog posts or news stories or videos or whatever you think is important. People will vote it up, vote it down. You can do the same with theirs, and it makes for a very active website. And frankly, tens of thousands of eyes will see your uh, your story, and that's a heck of a lot more than your Facebook page, which is where you know a lot of people link uh, important stories. And I don't have a problem with doing that, but hey, you know, free talk live too. This is, uh, and you much. might hear us talk about it on the air, right? Indeed, yeah. We uh, that's where we get a lot of the show prep. So speaking of show prep. You've got a story about taxes. This is tis the season. Uh, <laughs> Americans were scrambling this week to uh, get in their their tax forms and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, and got- I bet a lot of people really felt it. I mean, you know, uh, for the past couple of years, when I, I I don't like to talk about myself too much on the show, but it's been I I do pay them, and it's painful. It's really I mean. And I don't even make very much money, but it's it's just sad because people- I think about what it goes to pay for. And I'm like, no, I don't want to pay for this. And a lot of people I know who, you know, the more money they make, the more pain they feel when they ultimately have to pay it. And maybe they disagree with 
some of the things or all of the things that the federal government does, you know, and then there's state income taxes. There are city taxes. There are so many taxes these days. You really can't walk around and it's very difficult to navigate through life without bumping into a lot of different taxes on a daily basis. And when they're going to things that you don't necessarily like or agree with, that can take a toll on you psychologically, right? Sure. I mean, the reason that I quit smoking cigars is because Obama put a tax on or allowed a tax to be put on cigars and um, other types of tobacco. And I'm just not going to pay to the federal government. You know, I don't like state governments very much, but federal, but the federal government runs amok about the world killing people. Yeah. And I'm just not willing to do that. Now, I understand they do lots of things that people might agree with and that kind of thing, but money's fungible. And that means that that bullet that went astray and went through the head of a uh, six-year-old Afghan boy, that's the bullet mm-hmm. I paid for because money is fungible. And mm-hmm. I'm not willing to pay extra money in order to buy extra bullets. So I stopped. Sure. Yeah. And it's a funny, funny reason to stop smoking. Lots of people would not agree with it. Um, you're like, are you kidding? That's the reason? Your no, that's awesome. I mean, I actually wish more anti-authoritarians would kind of heed that advice because it's a, it's, I find it really ironic that a lot of times when people smoke, they do hold anti-authoritarian beliefs and maybe don't really feel too fond of the government. But yet the taxes on their cigarettes are really funding a lot of the government's activities there's always tobacco seeds they say it goes into a fund to like pay for uh smoking education or something but it really doesn't the the federal one goes for like kids health or something like that they try to make it very you know make it make it as palatable as possible but yeah but i mean how do you know that money is really going to that and do they use it for other things and i mean states do that too it just goes into the general fund and then it gets earmarked and i don't even know how to keep track of all florida's lottery uh is going to for public schools. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, that already public schools were being funded and then the lottery went it went to augment the public school funding. Well, all the state did was at that point then allocate money away from the funding of of the, of the public schools. schools and then use it for other things. So yeah. at that point even though all the money from the lottery goes to fund public schools, it doesn't mean that the money that you know would have been allocated there, money's fungible. Right. It moves around. You pay something into this organization, and that organization's going to do whatever they want with the money. So, But they still get to say, oh, look at us. We're giving to the schools. And you they know, are. Who could oppose this state-run lottery? But look at um, Gotti, <laughs> the, uh, the, the gangster in New York. He did all kinds of things for his neighborhood. Uh-huh. And that doesn't change the fact that he was a gangster and he killed people. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. And all the gov- federal government is, to my mind, uh, and frankly, this is governments around the world, uh, and, and I don't mean government, I mean the state. I think that uh, people, I think that we need a new form of government. Explain what you mean by that, Mark, because yeah. I know you have a little different definition. Okay. Than so I believe that humans of. need to be governed. Um, a lot of people okay. say, well, it can't be without government. I agree. You can't be without government. But I think that you should be able to choose the government that you have on a given land mass. So, Well, does that include self-government? I think that it would be difficult to do in the same way that you. it's difficult to self-insure. But sure. Um, okay. As long as you're responsible for your own actions, fine. But I think that people will find it um, easier to be you know, responsible for their own actions and uh, that you'll need larger organizations for protection. People need governments for protection. They they want governments for protection. So, Well, when you say that um, people need governments for protection, like there are other organizations that could provide protection 
to people that maybe some me, people wouldn't call governments. Okay, fine. We could use whatever term we want and parlay whatever terms. Well, I, I just think it's a little confusing because when sure. I hear that, I think of a certain thing. And it, But what we currently have is this organi- these organizations made of people, like just people like you and I, that claim a monopoly privilege over the use of violence in a given landmass. Yeah. They say, we're in charge here. If you don't like it, you can shut the F up. You can leave or you can go to prison. Well, they say you can leave, but where are you going to go? Right, because... to another landmass where they do exactly the same thing. It's <laughs> right. like asking the uh, it's like asking the, the orphan, oh, you don't like this orphanage? Well, go. Um, you think we beat you too hard here? We'll go to the other orphanage where they beat you there. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I, United States is historically one of the freest countries in the world, not the freest anymore and moving down on many of the lists. Uh, um, but, you know, it's still a great place to make money and uh, to be relatively free. Sadly... Different ethnic groups tend to be more free um, than others in the uh, in, in in this particular landmass. Are and you talking about immigrants or like uh, like I think the civil American liberties? Indians came up on um, on my oh, radar. It's, uh, the, I mean, okay. the plight their plight is terrible. Oh yeah, definitely. I was just reading an article the other day about uh, basically internet deserts, like in these in Indian reservations, mm-hmm. because the government keeps promising them, "Oh, we're going to give you free internet," and then they never follow through on it. Or if they do, it's like you know. Horrible dial-up in like 2012, you right. know. <laughs> Half-speed dial-up, and they can't take online courses. They can't apply for jobs. They're just—I mean—they're totally screwed, you know. And it's so sad because they were here first. Like, <laughs> well, they don't deserve free internet. But no, the but they is, deserve is when, not to be killed when they first—you know—when people first got here. Well, is agreed, but that's a long time ago. I, didn't kill any, I haven't killed any Indians, but I'm yes. not responsible for their internet either. The problem is the government. <laughs> sure. The government um, is talking about giving them free internet, so therefore they don't go out and buy it. Right. I mean, if I thought I was going to get a free car next week. Week. I'm not going to buy one today. Mm-hmm. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. The Seasteading Institute. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? You could meet fellow forward thinkers and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. It's May 31st to June 2nd at La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Discounted registration prior to May the 1st. Special rates for students and the press. Get 10% off with promo code FTL. Get registered before May the 1st at seasteading.freetalklive.com. Seasteading.freetalklive.com. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And you can call in and take control of the airwaves. 855-450-3733. Let me tell you about LegalZoom.com. You can join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create a will or a living trust. You can um, make patents there, trademarks, whatever kind of common legal document that you need. They've got it there for you. Uh, Living wills. Lots of people interested in those things. And, you know, if you're leaving your family without a will, you're going to be leaving your possessions in the hand of the state and hope and hopefully the state will give it back to them. Yeah, right. (laughs) Legal Zoom. They're empowering you and protecting you with common legal documents people trust. You can use coupon code FTL to save $10 on your order. It's LegalZoom.com. And, you know, if you want to get archives of Free Talk Live, 
all the other radio shows out there, most of them, most commercial radio programs out there, if you want to you listen to their show on podcast or something like that, you've got to join their little club. <laughs> Not Free Talk Live. We've got archives going back for six years or something like that for free at archives.freetalklive.com. Go and download to your heart's content. Do what you want with them. Listen to them while you're gardening or exercising or, or riding the metro into work. It's archives.freetalklive.com. This article that you've got, Stephanie, that we didn't get into. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we took a little side trip, but it was okay. So this is from, <clears throat> excuse me, this is from shareable.net by David M. Gross. And he says, nine years ago, I started living a more bountiful life by working less, earning less, and spending less. I started to by going to my employer's human resources department to ask if I might take a significant pay cut. How significant, they asked. I said, I'm not sure yet, maybe 75%. <laughs> okay. As you Let can, me get what, what this person said now. I mean, uh-huh. I'm going to need to repeat this. He's started living a better and more bountiful life by... Cutting the amount of money that he's made by up to 75%? Yes, but also um, spending less and working less. Okay. Uh, So he'll reveal how he did that. As you can imagine, he says, this was not the sort of request they were used to, but they gave it their best shot. How did I come to make such a strange request? A little over nine years ago, the war on Iraq began. Along with many other people, I was horrified at the magnitude of suffering the U.S. would inflict with its shock and awe campaign, and also at the increasingly blind, ignorant, and bloodthirsty war fever that dominated our country. I've got to say that uh, you know th- th- this is, has been borne out when you look at the war on terror, yes. Iraq specifically. There were you know the the death toll is difficult to quantify. I mean, it's a war, but. Even the United States State Department, I th- think, uh, agreed that it was – this is in the WikiLeaks document, by the way. They don't – they weren't going to give us uh, the little people yeah, who paid for it. They were going to give us classified. the numbers. But about 125,000. Some people say as, as high as 250,000. That's probably sort of peripheral things, people dying of diseases as a result or lack of medical care, bad water, all that kind of stuff. That I, think, I think that counts because it wouldn't have happened otherwise. And <laughs> – the number was more than 90% were non-combatants, was the term that the WikiLeaks documents, these are government documents, said. 90%. Now, you got to think about World wow. War One, where there were certainly a civilian atrocities. Ask the folks in Belgium, they'll tell you. Uh, but the civilian deaths were 10%. When you go up to World War Two, it was 66%. It's a huge jump. Mm. But you've got to consider things like dropping the A-bomb, you know, the firebombing of Dresden. Certainly the the other side was doing plenty. Uh, you know, the, London, things were terrible there. What the Nazis did as far as atrocities. Also, you, I don't know. Many people don't consider these parts of uh, World War II deaths. But, you know, the United States and Great Britain sided up with the Soviet Union, giving them power. And then after Hitler, you know, Stalin goes on his purges and, you know, millions of people died there, too. So, you know, one could sort of consider that, too. But um, that, that, that's not included in those numbers. But 90 percent civilian noncombatant death. Yeah, that's, that's huge. really, really high. That's the complete opposite of what was it, World War One? Right. Yeah. You know, so one can say that it, war is getting far less over, humane. You'd think that over time it would get more humane. Like you'd think the they opposite would happen. Bombs. They like sniff out bad guys. They turn <laughs> oh, yeah. corners and chase what them a down load. the street. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this guy was really anti-war, so much so that he wanted to basically do this classic thing that I think a lot of war protesters do, which is basically tailor their income so that they earn so little that they're not paying taxes to support the war machine. I'm a Quaker, and lots of people at Quaker meeting do this. just this. 
Yes, yes. Uh, He says, but I also knew that as a taxpayer, I was a small but vital part of the monster we were unleashing and that no matter how much I protested, as long as I continued to pay taxes, as uh, Alexander Haig is famous for saying, I was in a practical bottom line sense a war supporter. I had a hard time getting to sleep Uh, at night. Alexander Haig um, suggested when there were some protesters outside, you know, whatever building in Washington, D.C., he said, let them protest all they want as long as they continue to pay their taxes. Yeah. And, you know, it's a rather mercenary view but that's what it comes down to yeah it's very revealing actually i think a lot of people in the government probably think that uh, he was just the first one to say it or he's credited with it and the united states that's basically the freedom that we've got left the freedom to complain yeah (laughs) so he says i knew i had to stop supporting the war if only for my own peace of mind but how my major financial contribution to the war was the federal income tax which was automatically withheld from each paycheck before i even saw it if I were to Not stop. exactly true. I mean, you can go get your whatever W-9 form or whatever it is you fill out beforehand. And you file, to, check exempt or something. You can check exempt and then you'd get all but your do money. They, do they always let you get away with that, though? Oh, they'll probably come after you at some point. But I'm just saying that, you know, it, it is an option. I mean, even if you check exempt, but then you still pay taxes at the end of the year because you want to... Like, basically, if you, um, if you fill it out as, as you normally would without checking exempt on any of those... You're going to get more taxes withheld than you should be paying, according to them, and then you'll get a refund at the end of the year. Usually that's how it's set up. Uh, But if you check exempt, then you're going to have to be paying at the end of the year. And what they want is to people for people to think, oh, this is great. I'm getting a refund. It's like free money. Right. The withholding tax is probably the most insidious of the taxes because they take your money before you ever get a chance to touch it. And then it's a no interest loan to them until the time you're supposed to pay the taxes. And you may or may not get a piece of chunk of change back. And a lot of people really like the idea of getting $3,000 of their own money back, even though it could be. Funny math, though. As much as 16 months after they earned it. Yeah, and it's your money. You know, it it shouldn't be going to someone else for a no-interest loan in the beginning, you know, in the first place. So uh, he says, you know, my biggest contribution to the war was the income tax withholding. And then he says, if I were to stop this withholding by filing a new W-4 form with more allowances, this would just delay the inevitable. Come April, the IRS would realize they'd be underfed and would come after me or my employer to seize the rest. I decided instead to get under the tax line, reasoning that the best way not to pay income tax is to not owe any to begin with. So that's why I visited my HR department. But they said they couldn't help me. Such a radical pay cut might look suspicious to auditors and cause problems of some sort for the company. Hmm. So I quit my job. A lot of people are scared, you know, admittedly. Yeah. I mean, wow. Like they they wouldn't even work. He wants to take a 75 percent pay cut and they're too scared to it even sounds like work, he'd work with, with them in some way. Right. Like, yeah. You know, hey, I'll take a, a cut in power in, in hourly wages too. you know, whatever. Yeah. But doesn't sound like I mean, this is this just goes to show how much people are sort of in line. It's fear. It's not even the threat. It absolutely is there's fear. There's nothing wrong with this company having done this. And a lot of it comes from people around you, too. The government doesn't have enough agents to make everybody afraid of this. It's your neighbors. <laughs> 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? 
ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Talk Live, 855-453, Sankle toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Stephanie. So, um, real quick, let me tell you about the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. It is a way for you to get involved with Free Talk Live and join our little club. There's some perks. We've got the AMP-only call-in line, the AMP-only forums, uh, you know, all kinds of the, the AMP-only podcast, which is commercial-free. It's amp.freetalklive.com. You know, for three bucks a month, you get some, uh, some binnies. And gold.freetalklive.com. When you go and buy gold at gold.freetalklive.com, you know, lots of people getting precious metals these days. You're helping Free Talk Live. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Mises Pieces. That's right. right? Mises Pieces. You <laughs> can go there. My favorite part about that ad. <laughs> silver Pieces uh, with uh, Ludwig von Mises on it. So they're thereby making them Mises Pieces. <laughs> right. Okay. So back into this article about how not to pay taxes. We've been hearing from a guy who is a, da- well, David M. Gross, not just some guy, who is a well, very anti-war person, and he decided that he didn't want to support the Iraq War when it was declared, you know, or, well, it was never declared, right? It was it started happening nine years ago. Yeah, there was a use of force uh, resolution that was approved by Congress, so they're calling that a declaration of war. I mean, it's not an official declaration of okay. war, but, um, you know, <laughs> I guess they they throw away every other part of the Constitution, so what difference does that make, right? Yeah, I know. It's just semantics. But so when the war on Iraq began, he decided he didn't want to fund it anymore, and so he began to figure out how he could structure his income so that he wouldn't be paying taxes. So he says, I quit my job where I'd been earning roughly $100,000 after asking them to take a pay cut and they refused. The HR department said it would look too suspicious to auditors or something. Uh, so he says, I quit my job where I'd been earning roughly 100000 a year and now I'm self-employed doing contract work and writing books. When I started, I didn't know where the tax line was. I assumed it was I somewhere. He's doing contact, contract work for his old business. Yeah, I wonder too. Yeah, I wonder that too. Um, he didn't know where the tax line was when he started, but he assumed it was somewhere in the vicinity of the poverty line, which didn't sound encouraging. I found some stories about tax war tax resistors who use the under the tax line method, one among many methods of war tax resistance. And these seem to suggest that the tax line was somewhere around three to $8,000 a year. Oh, I think it was, I I would think it was higher than that. It is. And uh, so he said, when I started thinking, hmm, I could buy bulk rice and pick dandelions for vitamins. You can do a lot with top ramen. (laughs) And maybe I could work as a fire spotter to avoid paying rent, that sort of thing. I started to resign myself to a path of deprivation, sacrifice and renunciation in the service of my values. But there are other things to be said for a service in the a sacrifice in the service of values, but my path took an, an, another turn entirely. I researched tax regulations to find out precisely where the tax line is and just how much of a budget I had to work with. What I found was a great relief. Today in the United States, about 40% of households that file tax returns are already under the federal income tax That's line. Correct. 
40%. Yes. You know, that surprised me. It's higher than that, actually. A little higher. I see. And then you consider those are the ones that file taxes. How yeah, many that's don't right. How file taxes? I mean, <laughs> the best I can figure out... A like lot of 60 significant... million Americans of uh, working age Americans don't file taxes. Right. Some number like that. It's an incredible number. It may even be higher than that because it's really difficult to tell. There were 147 million thereabouts uh, tax returns filed in 2010, was it? So now some of those are joint returns with married couples. But yeah, but you can even if they were all you married, can take census be. data and extrapolate like the number of people and the number of marriage married couples and yeah, it's, right yeah, it's uh, difficult to say precisely. Yeah, but I th- I think the point, Mark, that you're trying to make is it's, it's more than people think, right? Indeed, who don't don't file or a don't lot, pay. yeah, <laughs> a lot of working aged uh, Americans don't file taxes, and you know some of them maybe they work for themselves or they work under the table, they work in the sort of the gray market, they or maybe sell, they don't earn drugs, it, they don't know, earn any income. You know, there certainly are those people out there. Mm -hmm. So David Gross says that is to say two in five American households pay no federal income tax. So I didn't have to live in five American households that file taxes. Yes. Pay none. That's correct. Exactly. Uh, So I didn't have to live in a cave and eat grubs and berries. All I had to do. That sounds kind of fun, actually. All I had to do was join the income tax free 40 percent. There really is no single tax line. The threshold is different for everyone. It's based on things like your family structure, your age. How many kids do you have? Uh huh. How you make your income and what you do with your money. For me, the tax line is about thirty six thousand dollars this year. By using deductions for tax-deferred retirement accounts. Now, you could live a relatively good life on $36,000 a year. I mean, that's... Yeah, he goes on to explain it. Basically, what he's doing is socking away about forty, uh, excuse me, $14,000 into uh, retirement accounts and health savings accounts. That's one thing that my wife and I do is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when it comes down to... Because the money that you put into IRAs is not taxed. Yes. So I would rather just... You know, I'd I'd rather put money in an IRA and lose a little money on the IRA than give it to the federal government. Now, admittedly, that's uh, it's not a one for one exchange. It's a write off as opposed to a tax credit. A tax credit means for every dollar that you do something, you get a credit on your taxes against that dollar. One dollar. And write off means it counts against your income. uh, uh, Yeah, it it counts. uh, Well, it it just it's your uh, income is diminished by that. So if you put one hundred dollars in an IRA and you made twenty six thousand dollars, it goes to twenty five thousand nine hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what your income would be. Yeah. So, but he's he's making gross about thirty six thousand dollars a year, and he's putting fourteen thousand dollars into retirement and health savings accounts, which is he says forty percent of his income approximately, and that leaves him subtracting social security taxes. That leaves me about twenty thousand dollars to live on during the year. That seems like very little to many people. So he pays social security taxes? Yeah, I know. I I was <laughs> surprised by that too. He probably likes social security for some reason or another. To me, it's a really bad investment in one's future. I, I don't know. I mean, he he could be. I don't think he's just a like a liberal. You know, I think he's might be a little more libertarian than that. I don't know. But I don't know why he's paying social security taxes. Yeah, well, and I don't pay social security taxes. <laughs> I've never received one, uh, you know, bit of information from the federal government demanding that I pay social security taxes. Mm. It's been since two thousand and six since I paid anything into the social security. By the way, I made it one quarter over the ten year period that you've got to pay into social security in order to get some money. So I guess they're going to give me some money at some point. But um, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Right. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if the United States government still exists when I turn sixty five, yeah, they're um, going to have to do something. But the, <laughs> you know the. the 
the idea that uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a terrible investment. I'd much rather put my money into some kind of IRA or something. Give me my money back. Oh yeah. So I, can- I think a lot of people agree that it's a pyramid scam. You know, it's young people paying in, and then the the base of the pyramid is collapsing. Right? It's just shrinking. So let me go on with this this article. Uh, so he says. Uh, $20,000 seems like not much to live on, especially he lives in San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, my. Yeah, um, but he says it's more than enough for him. For one thing, it's a real $20,000, not a $20,000 salary that gets whittled down by income tax. My yearly expenses, rent, food, transportation, health insurance, and the like, come to less than $18,000, and what's left over is a rainy day emergency or vacation fund. I often use it for south-of-the-border backpack-style adventure. <laughs> and ho- and note that I'm also saving a healthy 14000 thousand dollars a year for retirement and health is. expenses he's, he's putting stuff away fourteen thousand dollars a year is a great deal of money to be putting away for your mm-hmm. um for your retirement yeah he says here's some of the techniques i've adopted to lower my expenses i cook my meals from scratch rather than eating out or eating expensive packaged food i, I figured that was obvious yeah i think that's maybe healthier too I, th- I think that that's clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, by my, it depends on what you're making from scratch, right? Uh, if you're eating all like boxed brownies and stuff, then that's not probably not healthy. Not. But. I don't even know if it comes in a box. It probably doesn't count as being made from scratch. OK, period. yeah, fair enough. But, but uh, like most American families, my family had to kind of tighten its belt um, a few years ago when the economy went down and. We started eating at home a lot more than we had previously, and I think my life's better now. My wife's a fantastic cook these days. She she stays at home. She's a stay-at-home mom, which mm-hmm. makes her one of the hardest-working people in America. Yeah, and they, you know, she makes the she makes the food and takes care of the kid, and and, and you know, it's it's relatively the life she's looking for. Yeah, you know, as long as I wash the dishes. <laughs> he says I brew my own beer because I like the good stuff. Uh, use the yep. public library for research. Uh, Find stuff on FreeCycle or Craigslist rather than buying new. You're going to find out more here. 855-450-3733. You got money-saving tips? People want to hear them right now. 855-450-3733. Or tax-resisting tips. That too. I want to hear that. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. You can call in and talk about anything you want to talk about here on Free Talk Live. That's what we do. Seven nights a week. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. 855-450-3733. Bitcoins are the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. With Bitcoins... There are no contracts to sign of terms of service that you've got to abide by. Anyone can download the free Bitcoin software and be using them just a few minutes. With Bitcoins, you can send and receive money anywhere in the world. No fees. And you don't need the permission from any bank or any kind of governmental agency. To learn more, visit 
weusecoins.org. It's weusecoins.org. And now, thanks to bitinstant.com, you can have bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing, excuse me, depositing cash at any major bank. To buy your bitcoins with cash, visit bitinstant.com. And we are talking about what an article here is uh, how how not to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting. So far. I was interested by it, you know, uh, very interested by I, it. <laughs> I haven't met too many people that are thrilled to death with paying taxes. Usually right. one way or another, they're they're dissatisfied with how the federal government spends their money. But also not too many people who are motivated enough by principles to actively avoid paying taxes. You Agreed. Know? Yeah. But nobody likes it, but they all do it. They think they have no other option. Usually. I think that what most people like about taxes is it forces other people to do what they want those other people to do with their money, not what they want them to do, what the want the federal government to do with their money because they know that they could allocate their money better than the federal government. But that's that they want other people. There's greedy people out there that don't want to give their money to the poor, even though the federal government is a terrible uh, warden. They're not uh, helping the poor. <laughs> right, they're doing a terrible job of uh, helping the poor, and that uh, not for profits do a far more efficient job, and so you would need fewer people, frankly, to contribute if you uh, just left it to charity and let people have their money. And uh, there are people that say that we, you know, we need to be defended against the boogeyman and everybody's got to pay their share to that, even though the vast... Even though most people don't pay, right, right, as we just covered in the last segment. Most Americans don't pay income taxes, right. Yeah. So some of the, we were, we left off on some of the things that this guy, David Gross, does to avoid, you know, to, to lower his expenses, so that he doesn't tax have, profile. He doesn't run through, uh, you know, he doesn't spend a lot of money, so he doesn't need to make a lot of money. And by doing that, he stays under the so-called tax line, which for him is about $36,000. So he says he cooks his meals from scratch. He brews his own beer. He's traded. In- I thought about doing that, the brewing of the own own beer. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get into projects and then for whatever reason, I, I kind of wind down on them they don't seem as important uh, later mm. it, yeah i mean it's it's an art to learn uh there are lots of federal taxes and local taxes on alcohol that's the thing indeed there are a lot just of like cigarettes you know they like to hit that hard so uh you know it's a it, you know it's a sin tax right but so this guy you know he says specifically he's trying to avoid the federal excise tax on alcoholic beverages and that's right. one reason not just to keep his expenses down but also to avoid the tax so then he says he's traded uh he's like basically bartered skills he's traded english tutoring for spanish tutoring and web programming for training in diy skills like meat curing and urban foraging rather than paying for classes urban foraging but that's an interesting class Urban foraging. Well, you know, surprisingly, a lot of plants are edible. Uh, I don't know about urban plants, but, you know. Nor do I. I remember one time I went to a party in Grafton, New Hampshire, and somebody came to the party and walked up to me, and I was standing in kind of a field of wild grasses and things, and he reaches down and he plucks a big handful of some plant, and he starts nomming on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? And he, he was like, did you know you can eat this? It's very high in vitamin C. <laughs> so I tried it. It wasn't the tastiest, but you, hey, you could make a salad out of it if you needed to. Well, he mentioned dandelions. and you know, Yes, I loved, I actually drink dandelion tea. It's, uh, it's, you know, they're quite edible and yeah. there's lots of stuff. Um, there's you know several books out there. Um, I remember, I know Of the Field is one of them. There are several books out there on Things that you can pick in in the wild. Now, I live in a forested area, and I suspect that, you know, given enough time during the day, I could probably put together some kind of meal out uh, from what's out there. Mm. 
Well, what about p- fiddlehead ferns? A lot of people eat those. It's the right t- time of the year mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, they're coming up. Yeah. You but, just have to make sure to cook them because they do have some kind of toxin in them that, that is destroyed by heat. Okay. Yeah. Take your word for it. Or or soak them, I think. Uh, but look it up on the internet. Don't take my word right. for it. <laughs> it's been a while since I had fiddleheads. But So then he says, uh, I gravitate towards social events that highlight uh, generosity and participation rather than commerce and spectatorship. So I guess he means he stopped going to football games <laughs> and paying for the tickets. Now he's going to AA meetings. Uh, maybe. <laughs> he says he doesn't own a car, but he uses public transit, bicycling, Greyhound, Amtrak, and such. So he is sort of relying on the government, but aren't Amtrak. we all with the roads to a certain well, extent? This guy's concern is the federal government. Yeah. And so, you know, he seems to be sticking by that largely. Amtrak is uh, owned by the federal government, but. And they're a huge money loser. So I guess if he rides Amtrak, then they'll continue like to be funded and lose more money for the government <laughs> right. that they couldn't spend on war. Anyway, so how has my life changed now that I've gone from a $100,000 a year urban playboy lifestyle to living on 20000 When Money Magazine profiled me a few years ago for an article they put out on how to avoid taxes, they wrote that their readers wouldn't enjoy the ascetic lifestyle that comes along with my technique. Well, if this is asceticism, it is very underrated. The life I'm leading now is fuller and more enjoyable than ever. I have less anxiety and feel more integrity, and I'm genuinely living a bountiful life. By being willing to take in less income, I can work fewer hours. These now free hours are much more valuable to me than the money I'd been trading for them. So, yeah, that really strikes a chord with me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I get it. I, you know, I, I really do. You know, the, when you're talking about family and all those things, for me, more time spent with my family is always better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've got a growing business that I feel is important. I put, certainly put a great deal of time into it. But uh, mm-hmm. for me, it's not trading hours for money. Um, you know, it's trying to get something. Yeah. Working. Well, I guess it I guess it depends on the attitude you have toward your work. You know, a lot of people view work as something that they hate, but they have to do to live. Right. And some people view work as some doing something they love anyway and getting trying to get paid for it. Indeed. Right. Let's go to Colin. Uh, Colin from Riverside. Colin, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, Mark. How's it going? All's well. Okay. I want to talk about the national debt and okay. about how it's uh, mathematically impossible to pay off. Okay. Because the, the interest is not created. That's right. So here we are slaving away trying to pay our taxes for a lost cause, basically. You know, because uh, when they create money and you borrow for your car, your home, or any loan you get from the banks today, that is money created out of thin air. By the Federal Reserve. So let, let's, let me make it uh, just a little more clear for folks. So <laughs> when a, a bank or industry uh, makes a loan, they do it essentially they're, – they're a franchise of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve creates that money that you've been um, – you know – uh, you've been given, and the bank is held responsible for that money, but the Federal Reserve just made it out of thin air. And yeah, so, and then the bank is responsible, then they bail the banks out, and they pass it right onto the backs of the indeed. taxpayer. Yeah. But there's that, interest on top of that. That's why it must be voided. And there's interest on top of the loan, say, for your car, but where did that money, that interest get created? It didn't. It didn't. That's the whole problem, is they don't create the interest. That's the, the core of the problem. The interest is not created. That means it's a Ponzi scheme, and that means that the bankers, either either we 
declare the debt void and all the property that we own, cars, homes, you name it, that was created from bank loans are declared our own property that we possess already, and that's the only solution. If not, we're going to find ourselves in the streets, penniless, and the banks will own the entire world. So what's the that's what's the, the solution? problem? I'm sorry, I didn't huh? hear. The, I didn't hear the solution. What's the solution? The solution is to void all debt out of thin air. They created that thin air. They didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. It's the money they just printed as it's basically money that when you sign for it, you're you're the creditor, not the bank, basically. That gives them the authority to create the money. Well but anyway, the, it's a long story. It's I, a long story. I, I kinda but get that, but the problem is is the bank is held responsible for the money that you've signed for, and so therefore you're putting in jeopardy people's uh livelihoods in at that bank, even though they're they're part of the problem and I get it, they probably don't know they're part of the problem. Well the the problem I have is like if all debt gets voided, I assume that means mortgage debt and student loan debt and stuff like that and I kind of feel uneasy about thinking about somebody getting a house and not paying for it, you know, because somebody had to work to build that house, right? Okay, but we did pay for it. We've been paying for it year after year. Day when you borrow, when you borrow for your home, you pay back enough for three homes with the interest that doesn't exist. That's correct. See, if you if you you go the whole term, three homes. We have been paying for it over and over. We've been raped and pillaged forever. And now the bankers still act like they didn't go out and earn it or inherit it from their their family. So then, what would replace it? You know, what would replace the money? Colin, hold the line. We've uh, pulled you through here. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at cdbaby.com. That's the toll-free call-in line brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 855-450-3733, the live Sunday edition. Kicking off the second hour with Mark. And Stephanie. You can call in, take control of the airwaves. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. At Free Talk Live, you can go find out more news about Free Talk Live, the, the stations we've added and awards we win and things that are going on and, uh, with Free Talk Live. You can find out more at news.freetalklive.com. Something happened this week with our website. It had a, a 
catastrophe, and people were asking <laughs> us all kinds of questions about it. These were people that weren't on the email update list at news.freetalklive.com. Hey, Had you, they been, they would have known. <laughs> you want to know how many people listen to your show? Take away your show That's and you'll right. find out. <laughs> I, we had a pretty good idea with the download numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> 855-450-3733. Let's go back to, to Colin calling from California. Colin, Colin, Colin from Colin, Colin from California. (laughs) Colin, you were talking about uh, nullifying bank debt. Exactly. Uh, That's the only cure for the world's debt problem. You see it all around the globe. They they he and ha and talk about Greece. What are we going to do? We got a solution. We don't have a solution. We have a solution. We don't have a solution. It's because it's mathematically impossible to pay off because the interest is not created at the time of the loan. It doesn't exist. Now, I'd, I'd be really and happy if governments sort of defaulted and, like, they couldn't get any credit from then on. You know what I mean? They could never borrow money again. The, the rating's been reduced. Right, right, right. But what the bankers are trying to do, they're trying to get you to default, and then they come in and loan all your country. They want to foreclose on your nation. They want to foreclose and lay claim to all your property, assets, and everything on money they created out of thin air, just like the mob the monopoly money in the game. But for Colin, for the individual, the individual doesn't have a nation. They have a house, and banks are getting lots of houses, and those houses are deteriorating at a rate that makes them inf- worth less than the property that they sit on. They cost, in some <laughs> cases, I mean, you know, like Detroit and Memphis oh, yeah. and places. Where they're selling okay, houses for the whole, a buck. The whole point is the bank created a loan mm-hmm. out of credit, which is not money, which is not tangible money, which is paper that they have a license to counterfeit. You and so, I, Colin, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question, quick? I mean, do, are you okay with any kind of loaning? Like, let's say somebody had all the money necessary to to make a loan to somebody else. And they made that loan, and then they then the the person who got the loan paid it back with interest as they had agreed upon. Do you have a problem with that, or is it? No. Okay. Listen. Uh-huh. If my uncle lent me a hundred dollars, or a thousand, or a hundred thousand, whatever, yes, that's money he earned. But the banks don't earn their money; they create their money. It's uh, absolutely sure. it's that's true. I'm not going to dispute that for a second. Yeah. But my concern is is that the banks themselves they actually don't create the money. They're kind of they're these uh, they franchisees. loan out more than they have, don't they? I mean, they they have the yeah, fractional reserve. Fractional reserve bank. They have yeah. the ability to they, do. They can leverage it out ten. The, the law says ten times what they have on deposits. They can create out of thin air ten times what they have on deposits. But now, with the way things have gotten, they're up to a hundred times what they have on deposit. What that they have on deposit exist. What they have on deposit with the Federal Reserve, and so those with banks the become banks themselves. Not, not all banks and the Fed, but but the the banks get the money that they loan out through the Federal Reserve, so they're responsible for it, and that's what bothers but, me. Even though even though the banks, it's it's not the banks as much as it it's the central bank that's the problem, and the banks, it, in order to do business, basically have to be franchisees of the central bank, and mm-hmm. so. It, to me, what seems like the more moral solution than just saying I'm not going to pay back my bank loan because the Federal Reserve created money out of thin air is to say that I'm not going to do business with the Federal Reserve. 
Okay, but look, in the meantime, now you've lost all your assets. You Say I've been paying on my home for 20 years out of a 30-year mortgage. Right. I've been sweating for 20 freaking years paying my loan as a good little guy and thinking sure. it's an honest deal. They lent me the money, and I'm not knowing that they, their money they lent me was on my signature. They created, they, had the, they created the money off of my signature. It didn't exist. They didn't work for it. Yeah, they didn't earn it. I don't get to keep my house by it. not paying for you for it either. I mean, they're still going to foreclose. Oh, no, not legally, not because it's fraud. It's fraud because the interest uh, isn't created. The interest does not exist. It's not monetized Agreed, alone. I, it I absolutely it's not in existence. I get the, the moral argument you're making, but the people, I mean, take a look at people who've done what you're talking about. Yeah, they, they haven't, it hasn't ended property. well for them. It's ended very well. Some of anybody them that, that are selling went, courses will tell you. In, you're, not, you're not digging deep enough on the Internet and through law to find out. Okay, can you give, a, up, can you give us some examples, Colin? Like yeah, a, look up what's called the Credit River Decision. This was an early court case where when the guy brought it into the courtroom that the interest is not created and the bank created out of thin air, therefore he could nullify the loan. It's called fraud. See, they don't have the money. So Colin, they created it can, out of Colin, thin air. have you done this yourself? No, I haven't done it myself yet, but I will in the future if it happens to me. If what happens to you? If, if it if they try and foreclose on my home because I can't make the payment. So, let, let, See, the so you're, is, are you we, still paying criminals it? Criminals run the system. You guys got to fess up and start looking at reality and start digging. You guys are looking for a scapegoat here. Look, we got criminals no, what, running what, the us? system. Uh, we're not, we're just not asking you some questions. Yeah, you guys are looking for ways out and act like it's a moral deal, like these bankers went and worked for the money they're lending you, and they don't. I didn't no, say Colin, that. We're, we're no, we're not. Here. I'm telling you they're being held responsible. <laughs> these bankers at the local bank, if you go to the local bank where you you live, or even you know one of the the big banks that isn't part of the central bank system, isn't part of the Federal Reserve system, if you look at that, they're held responsible for that money. I mean, that's all I'm saying. So, they're all bankrupt. Uh, the Federal Reserve is the one backing all the Chase Manhattan. They're all sure. the big mega banks too big to fail. And then they think, well, we screwed up, but we can be reckless, and now you taxpayers got to pay for our mistakes. That's what they do all along. On, You're right. Up, it's people. wrong. It's absolutely wrong. But I don't think that one should go out and get themselves a bank loan with the intention of never paying it back. I, that feels I don't wrong have to me. That such intention. It's when they okay. Look, when That's you what, can all I want to make clear, look, Colin. Okay, the Federal. Look, here's the Federal. Reserve. The Federal Reserve can either either grow the economy or bust the economy at their will by either making money plentiful mm-hmm. and easy to get or making it tight. They can pull the rug right out from underneath. The, how do you think these mega wealthy get rich? They boom the economy, then they pull the rug out, and then they collect and foreclose on all the assets. Well, I don't Come think the on, Federal Reserve. Up, I don't think the Federal Reserve can uh, boom the economy when they want oh. to. If they wanted to, okay. Well, how I don't do think they they've been do. trying the housing, to. They've been trying to do that. What do you and, think the housing boom? The housing boom was they'll give anybody who could fog a mirror a loan. They did. didn't have to show yeah. proof of jobs. So, but they did. You know, they did try. The they did try to create a lot more money after that with all these bailouts, and it didn't exactly. You know, cause you know a boom Obama and, could lose no, his. They're creating money, and they're only giving it to the banks to bail the banks out to keep them solvent. But the rest of the economy can't get the loans today. That's why the economy's dying. Come on, you guys really need to come up to speed no, here. No, no, listen. 
George Bush wanted the Republicans you know, I, to win I, I, in I've been trying to ask you some questions, Colin, to understand what you're saying. I, I mean, I don't appreciate being told that I need to... Uh, I'm dumb. Okay, I don't need well, to come up to some questions. I, well, okay. I have been. So I mean, if George I Bush wanted to keep the Republicans in office in 2008, why did he let the Federal Reserve? Why didn't he have the Federal Reserve boom the economy so that Republicans could, would get back in? I mean, wouldn't that be obvious? And the same question is for Barack Obama in 2012. I mean, the the Democrats lost out on in 2010, and I mean, both of these sides want power. How come they're letting the the evil bankers boom and bust the economy in order to make money when they could get back in office? I mean, these people want power, don't they? Well, well, uh, say that again. Exactly. What is your point here, Mark? Okay. George Bush and the Republicans got voted out uh-huh. in 2000. Just another horde of the bankers. That's what they are. These the presidents of horde of the bankers, Soros, like Juan. All right, hold the line. I've got. I'll get my question in here. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You need, uh, well, any kind of uh, accounts receivable work done for your business, SACL CAI can handle it. They uh, they do accounts receivable. They do early out billing. They, they are not an evil banker. No, they are not. <laughs> SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. In so, fact, we know Jason Osborne personally, and he's very nice. Evil doesn't seem like the right word to describe him. <laughs> no. Uh, 855-450-3733. We are talking to Colin, calling in from Colin, Colin from California. And uh, we've had him on for quite some time here. And have another question here, Colin. Um, you've been ta- calling in about sort of uh, bank defaults and, and that kind of thing. And I guess, you know, you what you've made the claim is, is that the Federal Reserve has such control over the economy that uh, they can they could bring it back any time if they wanted to, essentially. Is that about right? Well, no, they can boom and bust it as they, they will, as they please. See, if you have enough money in circulation, the economy booms. If not, we starve. Agreed. They so, tighten the loans up and but, pull the loans out. Okay, the banks stop making loans. Everybody can't do business. That's what, why do you think we have booms and busts? 
What, 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 haven't you ever just thought this in your mind? Sure. What makes the, uh, the I think I have a pretty good grasp on it, actually. And then I, I, I've done a little bit of studying into the area of uh, Austrian economics, and I think I understand it a little bit. Because you can only pump so much money into uh, a given economy before you start a hyperinflationary process. Uh, well, because when they make money available, credit cheap, then it causes malinvestment, and then eventually people realize the, the malinvestments are bad investments, and then they have to liquidate them so there's the business cycle the the whole thing about money is all we need is we need money for a exchange and to run commerce in our society but the bankers have sat there and monopolized it for their own gain is what i'm trying to drive you you i don't i do not disagree with that yeah uh, just because a juggler has balls doesn't mean that he can juggle them all the time is the point that i'm trying to make and exactly, and you're seeing them misjuggle them soon. You're seeing them having a hard time now in the globe. Well, that's all but I want to say is that they can't juggle these balls. Uh, they just can't keep these things in the air the whole time. Um, I want you know people to understand these guys aren't. They might be malicious masterminds in some way, shape, or form, but they're not all powerful. They make mistakes. Yes, they are. Let me let me tell you something. I was a boy at 12 years old one day, and I was uh, Friday night, and I got a dollar a week allowance from my dad. And I went to approach him, and he was sucking his Bergemeisters down, watching the nightly news, getting his brainwashing, right? Okay. And I said, and the news was talking about the national debt. Okay. And I'm 12 years old, and I looked at this, and I said, wait a minute, national debt? I thought, who do we owe the money to, and where, and who could possibly have enough money to become predator to a nation like the United States? That's a good We're question. the biggest, most powerful nation in the world. Good question. And I asked Dad. I asked Dad. I said, Dad, who do we owe the money to? And he said, We owe it to ourselves as he swings down a Burby. <laughs> That's what we all get told. I actually had a very similar experience. Yeah, we've with all my been dad told this. <laughs> uh, we owe it to uh-huh. ourselves. And the whole, that, that sounds to me like, well, I can borrow from my left pocket, set fire to the interest <laughs> that I charge myself, and then put the rest of my right pocket, and you call me a smart cookie. No, they'd put you in an insane asylum. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I would really like to point out, like, the banking industry is a heavily state-connected and state-privileged one. Like, the government grants a lot of privileges to the banks, not limited to, you know, like, bailouts and stuff like that and the, 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 the fractional reserve system. But, you know... I'd like to see more openness in banking, you know, like I wish it was easier to get into the banking business to become somebody who who loans things. And, you know, they have to follow all these regulations. Well, I want them to be loan fair, you know, honest money. Yeah. OK, sure. If but- I give them their money, they give them my money for a period of time, then they can loan that money out and make money on it because they're keeping okay. my money safe and they'll give it back. Okay, to but me. let's 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 get back to the elementary basics here, just like the example I just showed you. OK, now, who could possibly become creditor to a nation, a gigantic nation like the United States or Israel or or uh, Greece? Who could have enough money in their pocket to become a loaner to them? No one, unless they can counterfeit it. Well, it's not really counterfeiting. I mean, it is exactly counterfeit. Uh, well, be, they created out of nothing. If you and I it's do, it's not it, we If the money, if the money has nothing behind it, then it's not really well, counterfeiting. It is backed by force, after all. They're creating the <laughs> fake. It's backed by the gun. That barrel yeah. of the gun, exactly. Yeah. Nothing but. but. That's why it must be void and start from scratch. In, uh, in other words, they get to counterfeit, and you and I do to go to prison. But they get to counterfeit the loan. If you don't pay, they get to claim it. So, Kel- and they're Kelvin, uh, I'm sorry, Colin. 
Colin, I, I hear that that's what you want to happen, but how do you think that we could go about making that happen? I mean, what do you what do you By propose? learning what we're t- discussing here, if this was common knowledge across every dinner table in the world, what would we do? We'd tell them to shove it where the sun don't shine, wouldn't we? If pe- but people are too stupid. I, and so do you advocate, do you, do you, do you what about alternative currencies? educational system, so they make sure you don't learn finance, true finance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean I little just, kids can understand this. Okay, I, 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 you know, I agree with what you're saying, but I have a little tip. You know, when you, when you talk to people about this stuff, I don't think people really like to be called because, dumb. Because or, they've been brainwashed to think they're experts. They know. Why do you think every show on no, television... No, no, no. I, I don't think I'm an expert. I just don't appreciate being called lawyer for 40 years To get you to trust them that they're experts. They're not experts. They're only experts in being a con man. Well, I guess oh, that's the plan. W- one more thing. I did look up this Credit River decision. Uh, I want to know what uh, what Colin thinks of this. I looked it up, uh, and what one of the first links that I found on Wikipedia says that it was overruled a couple of other times by other court decisions. And that uh, and you don't think our courts are rigged? But, I oh, mean, well, come on. But I mean, okay, look, well, may, sure, maybe system, they though. maybe they are, but it doesn't stop them from enforcing those decisions on people. Yeah, you know? but see, the people need to wake up and learn that we've been overthrown. See, look, ever since the Civil War, we were overthrown then under uh, Lincoln declaring mm-hmm. a emerg- national state of emergency. So they were operating outside the Constitution and the. The United States today is a corporation. I've heard this uh, theory before. The, they don't that, need to follow the Constitution. They only pretend to follow the Constitution. So I've heard the this theory before. was assassinated before they could return, the, eliminate the state of emergency. We're operating under state of emergency. They create the law. They ignore the law as they please. So you think that if uh, some president, if we get the right guy in there, that he would somehow rescind the state uh, no, of emergency? No, it's up to us. And it's the, up to us to learn what happened and all right. Thanks for the call, Colin. Do appreciate it. 855-450-3733. I, you know, there were the, the, the Alien and Sedition Act came around under John Adams's uh, administration. He was the second president. Um, you know, it's not like they followed the Constitution a whole heck of a lot. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson sent the Navy over to Tripoli. With mm-hmm. the Marines, I'm sure everybody's heard the uh, song, includes the word Tripoli in the first line, uh, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. Uh, you know, he did that without a declaration of war. These guys, the, I mean, the people that are involved in the writing of the founding documents, <laughs> they don't care what it we're says. breaking the founding documents. Yeah. 855-450-3733. Your ideas? Welcome. 855-450-FREE. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. Don't talk live 
855-450-3733. Call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about here on Free Talk Live. That's one of the things we do. 855-450-3733. Smart. And Stephanie. And we've been reading this article here the about how to avoid paying taxes. Yeah, fascinating. It, I like this article. I think yeah. it's uh, been very interesting. And, and this gentleman basically is advocating bringing down your income and uh, living within your means as a method of avoiding paying taxes. And mm-hmm. uh, he says it has been very fulfilling for him. Have we, yeah. have, have we gone through the article and, and completed um, it? Well, there's a little more left, okay. um, but... You know, I think it's interesting and I wonder if maybe because he's really stressing in this article that he's doing everything by the books, you know, like they couldn't get him if they wanted to because everything he's doing is completely legal. And I just wonder, you know, if you kind of combine this strategy with also maybe making some agorist income like under the table or off the books or whatever. Um, you know, could you have an even better lifestyle? Well, he does mention trading um, work, one type of work for another. Yes. And I've got to say that that is income as far as they're concerned. Um, yeah, they do have a section for barter and stuff do. like that, don't yeah. they? The, the government wants, uh, you know, wants as much of your money as they can get. And they'll they'll <laughs> yeah. they'll call barter. Aren't you, you supposed to report gifts as income? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, kind of things that people don't do. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, you got uh, Tom from Maryland here. Let's uh, let's take Tom. Uh, Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Good evening. Um, I wanted to uh, add a little bit to the last call. And, uh, oh, goody. I will say, right, I, I will <laughs> say that, you know, he could have been maybe a little more polite. <laughs> um, he sounds passionate about what he believes. Yes, very but, passionate. Yes, and I am too, and I have called before, and Ian has noticed my my passion as well. Sometimes maybe it shows more than others, but I wanted to recommend to anyone who's interested, I happen to get a couple of things together before I got on the air, and one of them, I haven't read these in a number of years, you'll have to forgive me, but I do happen to have a two-volume set called The American Voters Versus the Banking System, and this it is written by Thomas Schaff. Okay. I believe those emerged around 15 years ago. All right. Like and I wanted to mention that if you folks don't have it there in front of you, it's only seven pages long. They're not long pages either. I happen to have highlighted my copy of the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1933, I guess, the one that Roosevelt passed and uh, didn't even know himself who wrote it. And there is some very interesting things, um, especially on, well, for instance, on the last page, it talks about, you know, it says circulating notes uh, secured by deposits of bonds of the United States bearing the circulation privilege. What does that mean? This, <laughs> and this is on page seven. So basically what they're saying is, is these circulating worthless notes, which they prior to page seven acknowledge, they acknowledge what the gentleman just said. He is correct by saying the money we use 
is counterfeit. Well, it is. I, well, it isn't by their own definitions. Counterfeit is a legal term. Counterfeit means to make a fake one. Uh, so, I mean, if I make something and I'm the, you know, the it's my intellectual property or whatever, I make yeah. it, then somebody else making one fruit. like it, they would be make, they would be making the counterfeit, whereas I make the originals. So I don't think that counterfeit's the right term to use with people. They essentially do the what same about thing something like that a counterfeiter does. Illegitimate. Ill- illegitimate yeah. sounds right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and they 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 also uh, say that that the uh the, the at the when the bankruptcy was declared, they they say um that their notes shall circulate alongside lawful money. So what they're acknowledging is that. The already existing gold and silver money is lawful money, and we are now forcing you because we have you by the balls. Well, isn't it Moore's law that says that good money, that uh, bad money will drive Drives out, out good, good money because people like, hoard the good? If yeah. people, if I have the choice of paying a handyman whom I owe a hundred bucks to, um, I could either give him one hundred Federal Reserve notes, which is the uh, you know that's a that's a greenback with uh, with uh, what's his name Franklin's face on it, or I could give him about three ounces of silver. And I might say to myself, well, the silver is going to go up in value because they're creating more Federal Reserve notes. So what I want to do is I want to get rid of the Federal Reserve note and I want to keep the silver. And that's really how, um, you know, Moore's law works is that it bad money tends to drive good money out. Mm-hmm. Well, another another just I don't want to take up your whole entire evening with this, but as I was saying, seven pages. You need to have this. You really do because okay. in total four. Tell people what it is and where they can get it. Huh? Tell people what it is and where they can I, get it. I order. It is the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1933. I'm sure it's online. Public laws of the 73rd Congress of the U.S. and it it tells you in Title Four whether such circulating notes are issued against the security of obligations of the United States. What are these obligations? Well, they're, I, would, I happen right. to know what they mean by that. Okay. But what they mean by that what is, what they mean by that is, when you looked at maybe a IRS stamp uh, after your check clears, say you paid, you owed, and then you sent them a check paying the balance. Okay. Okay. And then you got that check returned years ago. It would ta- it would say on there U.S. obligations. Okay. That, that's indisputable. That is what it said. So what they're saying basically with the income tax is, you know, basically what, what what they're ultimately saying is just when you're born here, and I'm not even sure you've heard the birth certificate or registry thing is, it, you know, your, your channel property and you are obligated to the creditors in bankruptcy. Well, I agree. I agree with you that the federal government treats you as though you are property. They believe yes. that you're a livestock and a cow to be milked, a but cash cow to be milked. Property. <laughs> What's that? But whose property and why? The federal it's the federal government. Property. What's that? They belong to someone else. Another but, right here in Title Four. It also says shall be redeemable in lawful money of the United States on presentation at the U.S. Treasury or at the bank of issue. They're referring to their worthless paper money. Well, they're, they're, worth, yeah, they're worthless paper money. If, if it's so not worthless, by the way, I, I pay my house with it. It's worthless paper money that by force because 
because they have now taken over is now the equivalent to what it's actually not equivalent to. But it is equivalent to it because people will accept it happily. Yes. They will accept it. And what previous caller was correct, I believe, because I I have thought something he did say, I thought that exactly and precisely, that that? he said it is up to us to learn this thoroughly. But, uh, you know, the people have been saying this. I mean, this this theory isn't new. They've been saying it for decades. It's and actually not theory. It's, it's right in front of my face. I got you. But, you know, the <laughs> what I've heard here is uh, that generally people are very, very upset when they're talking about this. And it doesn't motivate people to get involved. I think I was about to say I felt really disengaged from this whole conversation because I hear like kind of raised voices and. Like, yeah, the uh, pitch has to be better. That's all I'm saying here, Tom. Sure, but what, well, I think what um, is is I'm looking at this, and it is not the the it's not all that much like what you might call a lawyer talk or legalese. It is it is kind of very plain. But it's mixed it's in not, with that, the voodoo. It's not really all that but Tom, veiled. Tom, it's what mixed in with the voodoo. It's not all that veiled. Tom, it's mixed in with voodoo, and you, it's difficult to know which part is true and which part isn't. I mean, is the 14th Amendment of the United States turn the United States into a corporatist organization and, uh, you know, wrest the control from the Freemasons right, and give it to the international banking cartel? Or was it in uh, 1933 with the, uh, the uh, with Ro- under Roosevelt's administration when he confiscated the gold that the United I States, in fact, went bankrupt? Because. I mean, I've been told time and again, and I think it's getting confused. It when we were taken off the gold standard in 71. Thank you very much, Tom. 855. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Talk Live, 855 That's 855-450-3733. Call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. And we've been, well, we've been talking about the great banking conspiracy here for uh, quite a few segments. But I got I've an never, owl out, out back if you want to take it to right. the Bohemian Grove it's, I, uh, I, I need sacrifice to do, it. I need to do a little, uh, uh, you know, getting rid of care or whatever, it, uh, sacrificing some care myself. <laughs> 855-450-3733. If you don't know what we're talking about, these are... Uh, um, Nobody said theories. lizard people. I was really surprised. I it's, mean, it's, it's really not that common of conspiracy. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't think a lot of this stuff is actually conspiracy theories. A lot of what they're talking about is true, but yeah. there's this... This, uh, you know, sort of conspiracy-esque stuff that's mixed in, like, you know, with the United States uh, went bankrupt in the 30s or when, when we went off the gold standard. Clearly, the um, United States currency has devalued since the 70, uh, early 70s, maybe it was 69, when Nick, Nixon, uh, you know, signed the pieces of paper that took us off, uh, finally cut the last strings to the uh, 
Yeah. Um, the gold standard. There's no doubt about it. You can you look at that. There's there's no doubt. But as to when the United States ceased to be a republic and started to be a corporation owned by the banks or whatever, that's conspiracy theory stuff. You so. know, I really think this might be a little important to talk about because there are probably a lot of people who are listening who who maybe want to communicate about those things. And to, to, to me, I'm just speaking from experience, personal experience. That's all I can say. But what, like when I hear people start to yell in a conversation, I tend to sort of disengage a little bit, you know, and, and then it's hard when, when I hear people about something, you know? when when I hear people start to say, well, I need to do something. They, they'll say you need to do research. You need to wake up. You need to. Usually those are the two phrases that they say. And I don't know about you, Mark, but I don't particularly like it when people tell me what I need to do. You know, what are you going to do to me if I don't do that? It's like, (laughs) I mean, and so then, of course, I disengage even more and then they yell even harder and tell me I'm even stupider. And it doesn't plan relies on other people doing something. Your plan kind of stinks like your plan has to be about what you do. Yeah. Well, I'd be interested to know what they you know, like what impact does this have on their life, on my life? You know, what could we do today to help ourselves all become freer? That's a question I'm really interested in. But the delivery is really important, you know, and I think it's important to say that because for some reason, like there's this really common style of communicating about these things. And to me, it just it really drives me kind of further away. And it's a shame because I probably would agree with so much of what they're saying. You know? One of the plans for making one freer is the Free State Project at uh, freestateproject.org. And there's an article out from the examiner at examiner.com that I think is really great. This is by Kevin Kurvik, and mm. he says the, the Free State Project is receiving a lot of attention in New Hampshire. Now, and I don't know Kevin Kurvik, so he must be a non-free not a stater, stater <laughs> outside um, observer. And he's talking about this movement of uh, getting 20,000 liberty-loving individuals to move to the state of New Hampshire. Uh, there are already 1,000 on board at this point. And he says, um, progressives don't trust free staters, as they're called, and many traditional conservatives don't quite know what to do with them. And I've heard, you know, the conservatives talking about drumming the free staters out of the state and all that kind of stuff, too. So, you know, it comes from both sides. Their story is fascinating and not unlike the stories of many groups that have intentionally migrated throughout the United States in search of a better life. Several months ago, in a meeting of human service professionals in Concord, a lobbyist addressed the group to warn them about libertarians whom he believed were working against the interests of the guild. The, major the con- guild? Which guild? The, the guild of, uh, uh, let's see, uh, human service professionals. What is that? Like human resources or? What? No, uh, you know, government uh, employees. Oh, OK. Uh, I see. You know, gov- government social workers. That wasn't that clear to me. Yeah. The major concern these groups are advocating spending cuts in Concord that would affect their bottom lines. But I mean, it would affect the bottom lines of the government agencies they work for. But lots of uh, human service professionals are working for private organizations whom libertarians advocate giving money to. So. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one side. It's which hand are you going to put this money in? Is essentially what the question is. Later in the the meeting, a woman approached this reporter, whom happens also to be a human services professional, to issue a warning about those scary free state people that were coming to New Hampshire to take over the state. I believe in this uh, particular report that she claimed that there were sixteen thousand in the state already. That's I wish there here. were. 
<laughs> Do you think there might be 16,000 people who are of a liberty mindset who I, don't identify themselves as free staters? I'd say, I'd say that some people don't even know what are so uh, misinformed on what a free stater is that they may identify as one and aren't one. Um, <laughs> I've, had, yeah. I've had that happen in front of me. I people see. I know that were born in New Hampshire talking about being free staters. I'm not going to tell them they're not. If they want to call themselves that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. She hoped to capitalize on a backlash against the libertarian energy that was currently driving the political agenda in Concord. I don't think there's much of a backlash going on. I suspect it'll be a pretty strongly uh, libertarian year again in 2012. Comments are starting to emerge in newspaper articles, including this one from the Concord Monitor. He links to one there. They're expressing similar concerns about free staters and libertarians. People are apparently starting to speak out more vocally as the political tide has changed and the effects of physical, fiscal austerity and Concord are starting to be experienced. Wait, free- fiscal austerity? Really? Isn't Please. austerity like cutting it back to the bone? I don't think that's I, going right. on. I mean, at this point, all they've done is uh, balance <laughs> the budget. Yeah, I mean, I know that they cut, like a lot of those cuts affected hospitals, and that, I would say that maybe I wouldn't have chosen to cut that first. Like, that, that probably negatively affected a lot of people, you know? But I wouldn't say it's austerity. At the same time, there's still a One lot of wonders, money what is, that the state is What is a hospital doing that it has to get money from the government? Well, yeah, that's true. And I'm sure that they've become dependent on it over time. With and the rates that they charge, you'd think that they'd be able to run things on their own. Well, a lot of people can't pay those, though. And so a lot of people are depending on Medicaid, Medicare, you know, and, oh, and the, the states government. have some role. I don't really completely understand it, to be honest. But the, the states have some role in paying half of, of uh, you know, of Medicaid, I think. I don't know exactly what the proportions are, but the state, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. In a special election last year, the opposition party was able to paint the candidate, who was a free stater, a highly, and a highly qualified person as a carpetbagger who did not belong in New Hampshire. The candidate was defeated. Most politicians that are here in the state, Democrat and Republican alike, weren't born here. So yeah. So the idea that one not being born here has anything to do with anything does it doesn't make any sense at all yeah do you think that just sort of appeals to people's like nationalistic kind i don't know it's very interesting but when i hear candidates run for office that are natives they'll often say i'm a fourth generation new hampshire uh, granite stater yeah there you go good for you you had absolutely no control over that i mean it doesn't mean a thing means nothing (laughs) yeah (laughs) as a uh and it's kind of to some extent it draws back to that obama is a uh you know a a muslim foreign-born muslim uh, argument that's out there is you know what i disagree with obama on is what i disagree with obama on and i don't really care where he was born yeah, that makes no difference at all. I think that's kind all. of a silly <laughs> argument. I mean, I get it. I get that's the Constitution, but is this the only part of the Constitution that we're going to uh, well, pay attention to? Well, I, I think when people, there's a lot of people that seem to care about that that don't care about uh, other aspects of the Constitution. Well, yeah, and I think when people make that argument, it's more from the perspective of he's not like us. You know, we don't want his kind around here. It could be. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see why people extrapolate that f- from it. But other people are saying, well, this is a way to get him out of office. Of course, if you do get him out of office, who do you get as president? Joe Biden. Uh, I so, guess. But have you ever heard people were like Barack Hussein Obama? That you know, is, I think definitely a way to uh, vilify <laughs> him as a foreigner or as a bad person. Or as a Muslim. Like, and hasn't he spent like all he spent a lot of time proving that he's Christian, you know, right or whatever. I, you know, it's I could care less where he goes to church. Too. No, yeah, me too. I, I don't care whether he's Muslim or Christian. It's his or actions and what he he's does. He's not acting like he believes in any religion of peace. No. <laughs> 
So going on, in a recent lo- uh, at, rec- at a recent local taxpayer group meeting, a participant said that he believed that there are already 78 free staters in the New Hampshire House of Representatives. The number's actually 12, which was an <laughs> obvious exaggeration and may have been uh, reflected insular thinking, the echo chamber that goes out there as uh, you know, people begin to uh, get some kind of uh, you know, idea in their head as uh, you know, some bad thing's happening and they keep yakking on, keep on yakking. So who are these free state people and what do they want? Here's the mission statement of the Free State Project. It's as follows. The Free State Project is an agreement among 20,000 liberty, uh, pro-liberty activists to move to New Hampshire where we, they will exert the fullest practical effort toward the creation of a society at which the maximum lo- role of government is the protection of life, liberty, and property. The success of the project would likely entail reductions in taxation and regulation, reforms at all levels of government to expand individual rights and free markets, and a restoration of constitutional federalism, demonstrating the benefits of liberty to the rest of the nation and the world. Their mission's clear. Liberty activists who've been marginalized in all the other parts of the United States are looking for a home. Yeah, does to, that sound so scary? And they wish to build a community that embodies libertarian principles. We'll go on this article shortly. 855-450-3733. And take your calls at 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. You can give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. And uh, we'll take the call. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. (laughs) We've been uh, all over the board this evening. Now we're kicking off the third hour. And you can go find out more about uh, Free Talk Live by going to listen.freetalklive.com. There you can find all the different ways that you can listen to Free Talk Live. It's through the live streams. Uh, the radio stations, we're on more than 100 radio stations across the country. Satellite options, we've got XM and free-to-air. Uh, the webcam at cam.freetalklive.com. And listen lines, you can listen to Free Talk Live on your cell phone. It's listen.freetalklive.com. Stephanie, let's go straight into the calls here. All right. We've got uh, Mike in Michigan. Listen to WKZO. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yeah. I was listening to your the comments on the radio about the Secret Service down in Cartagena. And, uh, that sounds like yesterday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's running currently right now on my radio. Okay, must be a, a repeat. We were we were doing that on yesterday. But go right ahead. All right. Well, you had a caller that mentioned that you know the the higher level of vetting that these Secret Service agents have to go through just to get into their program. And then they have to go through higher levels of security to get on the presidential detail. I'm retired military. I have had the pleasure of working with some of these individuals. And if you're not... I'm hearing a little bit of background noise. Can can you turn down the radio, Mike? And uh, if they're not at the White House, they're on duty. It's that simple. Especially if you're someplace where the president is coming into 
then you're the advanced party for the presidential security team. So once you get off that airplane, you're on call 24, you're on duty 24 seven. Well, does that and mean that it's okay to do, sleep on duty? I mean, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, you don't want to go into a situation where you can be compromised. I agree with uh, that. I mean, I, I think that that makes and one of the, And, you know, I hear people talking about secret this, secret that. Well, be that as it may, they're on the presidential security detail. The big, my big fear of compromise would be somebody getting into that hotel once he's there. So doesn't I mean, that, isn't that an Obama argument for not, not taking your family on vacation to foreign countries, too? I mean, for God's sakes, the, the Russians could uh, snatch them, snatch up your husband, your, your wife or, or husband and children and uh, cart them off and then, uh, you know, hold you hostage because they've got, the, well, they've got your family. I mean, there's all kinds of I ways hate, that, uh, that the I bad guys. This, I hate to tell you this, but in Russia right now, Kidnapping for ransom is a growing industry. It's it's pretty. It's it's so, not uncommon around the world. Off the mark there. No, you're not. And you're talking about a whole new level when we're talking about a head of state and the people who are responsible here for his security. They were sent down there to secure the facility. They were not sent down there to go party in the bar. Agreed, but they don't, uh, they have time off, right? And I, I guess here's my question for you, Mike. No, Is they don't okay have time the... off because they're always on duty, right? I've been on advanced details. When you get when, when you get to where you're going, you've got one job. That job is not hitting the bar. That job is not looking for hookers. That job is not going down the street to Carnival. That job is securing the facility and making damn sure secure when your principal gets there. I got gotcha. you. I mean, I, and, you know, I think that's the they're right way the to go about it. But at what? They're on the taxpayers' dime. But they're not. The I mean, they're on their time the off. Don't they get some time off the too? You're, you're paid twenty four seven for a reason. You're paid twenty four seven. I used to tell my NCOs when they would ask me, "What am I off duty? Are you in uniform? Yes, you're on duty. Okay." You're on this detail for a reason. Do the job. I, you know, I mean, all these are the, you know, the the great sounds of duty. But remember, they've got uh, they've got some American military individuals that are uh, that have been. You're right. Swept and they'll up probably every one of them get court-martialed for what they were doing for drinking. They were there for for, for having sex with you're prostitutes. Missing, that's you're, legal. You're missing the point. They were there to do a job. Every every bar, United States employee the hookers, from the post office to every other they're all doing they're all there to do a job. Are you saying that everybody who works for the government, bar none, should not drink or should not have fun? They're always You're, on duty. We're talking about a unique job here. We're not talking about But the United States military people what? weren't doing that same job. Hold, hold on, gentlemen. I I have a question. I mean They were does, on duty, period. Is this something if you're I, on duty? You're on duty. That's like being in a war zone and sleeping in the middle of the night when you're supposed to be on watch. There my, are times hey Mike, when you have to go twenty four seven. I have That's a question, horrible. Mike. I have a question about this. Yeah. Since you worked in this field, is it made explicit to you in a contract? Like when you sign up to be in this job, does it? Do they tell when you, you into, mm-hmm. when you go into the academy? When you go into basic training, it is made specifically clear to you. Day one, before you even start training, this may be a condition you will be expected to admit, to meet. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to do it, don't take the job. Yeah, that seems now, pretty clear. So my question is... These people, these people have been in this program to the point where they have actually been accepted to the presidential security detail. 
which means they're not your average sailor, they're not your average soldier, they're not your average Secret Service guy that's chasing bank bandits and counterfeiters. You know, the government okay. didn't catch these people, expected, right? right? The government didn't <laughs> catch them. The press caught them. Yeah, I mean, so you're he asking you're asking the watchers to watch themselves, Mike. I mean, you're, you're 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 a former military person. and You know as well as I do that people get away with this crap all the time. The government didn't even catch itself here. Well, that happens. You'd be and amazed. they throw Bradley Manning in jail for blowing the whistle. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't, I can't, you know, speak for how it was handled. I wasn't, you know, I didn't do the job. Well, you All can't turn over important that, jobs to the government and expect them to get done, Mike. You can't expect them to get done right. And not ever. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Thanks for the call, know, Mike. 855-450-3733. Let's uh, talk to David, who's calling in from Montana. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Howdy, y'all. Hey, What's David. Up, happy uh, 420. Yeah, belated for a blessed... And honored 420. <laughs> right. Hey, uh, the Secret Service dudes have bad karma on them. That's why the bad stuff happened to them, man. Because uh, just a while back, they they were given the power to take the First Amendment away from people and declare them terrorists if they don't like what they're saying to it, one of these elected uh, goddesses. People, it it kind of sounds like they just thought they could get away with whatever they want yeah, to, you man, know. They, they, they're like the Praetorian Guard. These guys, the Praetorian Guard was the guard that protected the emperor. Okay, they used to have a a whorehouse with them on the road all the time. Them guys, them guys do whatever they want. Those are the ones that off the president. They off the the emperor all the time. They're the ones that run the show. Really, they could do whatever they want. They to- even told the cop in they were the hotel where they were in. There was a cop in the hallway, and two of the guys had to protect the one room f- from the cops. It didn't, even the local cops don't mess with them guys. How bad? I mean, you know, these guys really are the elite of the elite, and yeah, uh, I don't care what the country Victorian. they're in. They don't mess with them. And, you know, it, it all comes down to what this one guy said last night was, if they'd have just paid the lady her money. You know, well, eight hundred bucks, man. You know they must have had a lot of coke. I think. You know that's <laughs> somebody had to pay for the coke. I Hookers think. Hookers and blow. Is that what you're saying? And then <laughs> what the heck are all them guys doing down there? Bucks. What was the president doing there? What was the? I thought it was thirty-five dollars. Yeah, like Forty-seven. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were. I think they were just there to pick up the drug money, man. Because we take care of Colombia, we make sure that we spray the stuff on the coke that we don't want. One guy to they do. The U.S. does the fly over Colombian uh, uh, crops and spray defoliating agents on them, and it really actually hurts the animals and the people yeah, and who are farming. Wind and blows it on to some guy's farm that he's growing food for and stuff. You yeah. know, and, and sometimes and people use those those uh, drugs and get those kind of things caught up in them. David, thanks thanks for the call. Yeah. You know, what I wonder is if this is the Secret Service that's involved. Is how high does this go up? I mean. What kind of... Uh, I don't know, and I don't really have, care. I consider them all pretty much corrupt. Have presidents not said to these Secret Service guys, hey, how come you guys are getting all the hookers? Where's my hooker? 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. I am so excited about Pork Fest this year. Pork Fest? What's that? 
It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year, it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? <laughs> what doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Hmm, that's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? Looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. Call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark and Stephanie. 855-450-3733. We've been reading this article about uh, the Free State Project at uh, examiner.com. I really like it. I feel like it encapsulates what the Free State Project's about. It was written for a more New Hampshire audience, I think, but... It's, uh, it, you know, it, it's talking about the Free State Project and what the goals are here. It says the mission's clear. Liberty activists who've been marginalized in the other parts of the United States are looking for a home. They wish to build a community that embodies libertarian principles, namely the right to be left alone, the opportunity to live intentionally and responsibly with limited intrusion from the government. Oh, I like that phrasing. I don't think I've ever heard it exactly like that before. To live intentionally and responsibly. Because yep. that's a huge part of liberty. I think. Indeed, if you want the government to leave you alone, you need to you need to uh, not take responsibility for to, yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, who would want to live accidentally? You know, <laughs> right? After, it seems like so many do. After considerable yeah. research, they decided New Hampshire was the best place to build such a community, and so they're coming here. As of this writing, there are a thousand twenty-two free staters in New Hampshire and eleven thousand seven hundred and twenty-two participants toward the goal of twenty thousand who plan to come to New Hampshire eventually. The United States has many examples of minority groups struggling to be accepted by majority populations. When Irish immigrants came to East Coast cities in the early eighteen hundreds, they were resisted mightily by English, Dutch, and other established ethnic groups. And you know, mm. everybody has some ethnic group or another that they are a part of that has been vilified here in the United States. And it's about acceptance. Well, yeah, but didn't Irish immigrants sort of cluster together in neighborhoods and, a lot, you know, Italian and everything? I mean, they didn't really target a particular state, but they definitely did take that idea of being together geographically sure. and sticking together and doing mutual aid and helping each other out. Right. When when the sign on the lawn says no Jews, no Irish and no dogs, um, then you have a tendency to want to stick with people that do not consider you to be on par. With I wonder dogs. what they think about me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an Irish Jew? <laughs> my father has some Irish heritage. Yep. and My mother is Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, your last name has the uh, has that uh, Irish sound and definitely yes, claim indeed. to be somewhat Jewish in the past. <laughs> The established groups do not like the Irish customs, and they worked hard to keep the Irish from getting their jobs 
over time, Irish people found ways to achieve success within, within their communities. And I'd say that right now that there's very, very few people in the United States that make judgments based uh, based upon Irish people being Irish or Italian people being Italian. Yeah, but thankfully. I there mean, are some certainly some groups that people do make judgments uh, upon, um, you know, just well, part of types. it is that it's maybe a little harder to tell whether someone is Irish or Italian, especially if they don't have any kind of accent. Sure. I, I guess back in the day, maybe they did have thicker accents and so it was easy to pick them out i don't know well there are some ethnic groups that are obvious uh, that get you know more or less discriminated than others i mean i don't find a lot of people discriminating against say asians uh, people of chinese heritage or oh i think they do like what uh have you ever heard stereotypes about what kind of cars asians drive or the size of their asian men's penises or some kind of uh, science to that i mean there's the height of uh, mexicans being shorter too i don't know i mean uh i don't think so I mean, I, if you look at condom sizes in different places around the world, um, they vary a little bit, but not that much. No, they don't. As I understand it, it nothing varies that much when it comes to... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, you're looking at a worldwide, but I mean, actually, I think the smallest average condom length is in India. Okay. And the largest is in um, in the U.S. And actually, I think I read something about New Hampshire, you know. The, oh, my. The- <laughs> Oh, I, I need to get my facts straight before I the, look uh, it up. Magnum size. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, but I mean, <laughs> using them for water balloons. But I think there are stereotypes about Asians. Have you ever heard that you know Asians are smarter? I have. Have you heard that they're well, better at isn't, math? Isn't that a stereotype that you'd like to have for your particular group? I mean, maybe, oh, but but I it also to probably the smart group. Stop, stop, stop uh, marginalizing me. Well, but it, it you may be held to a different standard than other people. Maybe you're not good at math, and you're Asian, or you don't like math, or whatever. Indeed, certainly, or you don't drive a Honda Civic. You yes, know, but getting around those particular types of, uh, of of stereotypes isn't it isn't as hard or as bad. You know, hey, maybe I am good at math. So what? You know, I mean, you just it's not like the kind of, you know, people don't ask me about my math skills on a daily basis. So, well, but OK, what about some of the other stereotypes? Like there is a stereotype, I guess, that black people are good at sports. Would you agree with that? I, I have heard the uh, the stereotype. Certainly. And and what if you don't fit that stereotype? You know, what if you're not good at sports? Are Indeed. you that would probably be. You know, negatively. I think that was. Uh, I think that was approached in the uh, the the movie Soul Man, where uh, basically the two team captains got into a fight over the uh, white guy that was pretending to be black um, in order to have him on their basketball team. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's. I I, I don't think that a, a pickup game of basketball is going to be particularly valuable for you in life, but yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, all I'm saying is that I think all stereotypes, even if they sound positive on their face, could be damaging. I think that... uh, Because people are individuals. I think that there are ethnic groups in the United States that are treated worse than Asians, is what I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. I don't think that, you know, know, there are are stereotypes about white people, too. Uh Uh-huh. So... Some of them are true. Some of them aren't. Like and they're, they're only like generally salt. true if they're generalized. Uh, There's a website right? called What White People Life Like or Stuff White People Like or something <laughs> like that. And it's like sea salt and, like you know, ridiculous. The Gap. <laughs> Sounds funny. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> Mexican immigrants are uh, experiencing discrimination throughout the United States because local people in southern and western states especially are concerned that the Mexicans are taking over. In suburbs all across America, African-American migration from cities has uh, created animosity from established white people who are afraid the blacks would not assimilate into their communities. 
it's a it's human nature that local people are loath to give up what they have and they've often resisted attempts by newcomers to make changes changes are always difficult in the united states people are free to live where they want and to exercise their freedom of speech and freedom to organize in the way they choose the free state project chooses to establish itself in New Hampshire, and they did it for many reasons, primary, primary of which is that New Hampshire is already the freest state in the nation. And here they quote the uh, Mercatus Center study on uh, many objective criteria. New Hampshire has no state income tax, few state, state sales taxes. People are not required to purchase automobile insurance in New Hampshire. Eminent domain cannot be legally applied in New Hampshire, and uh, New Hampshire had an unpaid citizen, has an unpaid citizen legislature. Uh, are they? They're not really unpaid, but they don't make very much. Yeah, it's it, it's two hundred dollars a year plus mileage, something it, like that. It has the second uh, lowest level of dependence on federal spending in the nation. It's uh, and has a and it's a personal responsibility state. No seatbelt or state helmet laws. It has the lowest crime rate in the United States. And of course, uh, free staters want to yeah. come to New Hampshire. It's the state where the majority of residents already share their core values. In addition to being rated one of the freest states in the nation, New Hampshire is consistently rated one of the most livable states in key other indicators. Yeah, you know, the, I had to stop down right there because I was just planning a trip to Boston and I looked at like they have like a 15 percent hotel tax. They have all these fees. It's so expensive to even get anything there. And you can't drive. Forget about that. So it's just not very fun to live in a big city. You know, I like it living here way better. He says instead of protecting their turf and treating newcomers with suspicion, New Hampshire residents might ought to try to get to know some free staters before they make their uh, their judgments. Mm-hmm. It's 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the Internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. You can give us a call and talk about whatever you want to talk about, 855-450-FREE here on Free Talk Live. And if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, manventureoutpost.com's got what you need. They've got the name brands of and the best prices on knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment. They're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau and how important that is when you're doing business online. And you can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. That ought to pay for your shipping. Um, you can get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com, coupon code FTL. So, Stephanie, uh, you had uh, an article f- from uh, Radley Balco that you wanted to share? I did. Yeah, this is actually really interesting. And it was kind of, I think it came out on 420, you know, because we had that happen recently. Um, There was a, oh, no. Okay, so this is actually a little bit older article, but it was, uh, it was being circulated on 420 because it's about the drug war. And what it says, the headline is driven by drug war incentives, cops target pot smokers brush off victims of violent crime. 
And, you know, this is something that we talk about a lot when we talk about the police and some of the incentives that they have that may may not be in line with our best interests, our being non non cops, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> uh, so but this goes into it a little bit, a uh, little bit deeper. And Radley Balco is a wonderful writer. I mean, he I really oh, yeah, am a big fan of his writing. He writes a lot about police accountability. He's been on the show, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I forgot about that. All right. So. As Jessica Shaver and I chatted at a coffee shop at Chicago's Northside Andersonville neighborhood, a police car pulls into the parking lot across the street. Then another. Two cops get out, lean, lean up against their cars, and appear to gaze across traffic into the store. At times, they seem to be looking at us. Shaver, who works as an eyebrow waxer at a nearby, nearby spa, appears nervous. See what I mean? They follow me, she says. Uh, she's 30 years old, by the way. During several phone conversations, Shaver told me that she thinks a small group of Chicago police officers are trying to intimidate her. These particular cops likely aren't following her. The barista tells me Chicago cops regularly stop in that particular parking lot to chat. But if Shaver is a bit paranoid, it's hard to blame her. A year and a half ago, she also, was... Also, police are trained to look for suspicious individuals if you're, uh, you know... If if you're scared that they're there, you're suspicious because mm-hmm. that's suspicious behavior as far as they're concerned. So they probably are watching her if she's acting suspiciously. Yeah, it's a very, it's a catch twenty two. So a year and a half ago, this is important detail. She was beaten by a neighborhood thug outside of a city bar. It took months of do it yourself sleuthing, a meeting with a city alderman, and a public shaming in a community newspaper before the Chicago Police Department would pay any attention to her. After a year later, or excuse me, about a year later. I had a vehicle stolen, and um, my dad ended up finding it. I mean, the cops didn't do anything to find it. Oh, yeah. They really don't care about property crimes. Like Property crimes are definitely the lowest on the list. Yeah. I think I saw this video recently from FEE, the Foundation for Economic Education, mm-hmm. um, and it had a little pie chart of what police budgets are spent on, and the lowest uh, piece of the pie was property crimes. It was only like less than 10% or something mm-hmm. like that. So, that, yeah, they really don't care about them at all. And, you know, even rapes and murders, they spend less time on those than, than drugs. Yeah, well, you drugs know. pay them, uh, whereas rapes and murders don't. <laughs> yeah, as I'm sure this article will get into. So uh, about a year later, she got more attention from the cops than she ever could have wanted. A team of Chicago cops took down her door with a battering ram and raided her apartment searching for drugs. Shaver has no evidence that the two incidents are related, and they likely aren't in any direct way, but they provide a striking example of how the drug war perverts the priorities of America's police departments. Federal anti-drug grants, asset forfeiture policies, and a generation of battlefield rhetoric from politicians have made pursuing low-level drug dealers and drug users a top priority for police departments across the country. A a, a generation of... Uh, battlefield rhetoric and this yeah. is what it's talking about is i think that it desensitizes the war on drugs mm-hmm. yeah it, it desensitizes uh, americans to wars because there's a war on everything wars on poverty yeah. wars on drugs wars on uh, illegal aliens wars 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 well and we all know what happens in wars people get killed people get hurt yep you know uh, lots of money is less spent responsible things are destroyed yeah uh, it's not pretty. Uh, and, and you're right, Mark. I, I hadn't thought of that, but I think it does desensitize people to that language. Yeah, I don't like it much at all. Mm, me neither. So there's only so much time in the day, and the focus on drugs often comes at the expense of investigating violent crimes with victims like Jessica Shaver. Sure, there are so many. There are only so many cops on the ground, and they can be doing... They can be sitting around watching for somebody rolling through a stop sign or going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. They can be looking for college kids with a joint in their pocket or... You know, minorities with a pot in their car, or they can be out looking for the guy who stabbed the lady on the corner. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, in the span of about a year, she experienced both problems firsthand. And then he goes on to describe uh, this beating, this battery that she experienced, and they're describing it in detail. I think I'll kind of condense some of that down because we only have so much time on the show. But um, basically, she was outside of a bar and uh, I don't know, some people came up to her and eventually they they beat her up and she reported it to the police uh, that and she said the detective in the case who she reported it to said, I don't want to hear any more bitching from you. So obviously they weren't taking it very seriously. Wow. You know, she had a black eye. She had all kinds of uh, all kinds of stuff. She was so afraid. Uh, she was so afraid of these um, attackers that she kind of like changed her identity uh, and it was a, reportedly a cocaine dealer that had beat her up. So anyway, um, I'll go on with the drug part. Arresting people for assaults, beatings, and robberies doesn't bring money back to police departments, but drug cases do in a couple of ways. First, police departments across the country compete for proof of federal anti-drug grants. Oh, excuse me, for a pool of anti-drug grants. So there's the federal government has um, anti-drug grants. They don't have anti-murder or anti-robbery grants. Yeah, how messed up is that priority? Because you know, the thing that people <laughs> really are concerned about, the you know the the selling point of law enforcement is, well, what about the rapes and the murders and all these things? And you know that really is the selling point. That's the reason. Yeah, those we, are important. Those are the reason that people want uh, law enforcement agencies in their area. You know, maybe burglaries. Certainly, uh, you know, in smaller towns and stuff like that, burglaries are probably a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. But. That's not what they concentrate on because that's not where the money is. Yeah, exactly. Any organization is going to grow where the money goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're competing. The police departments are competing for a pool of anti-drug grants from the federal government. The more arrests and drug seizures a department can claim, the stronger its application for those grants gets. I'll bet. So it's all about following the money. The availability of huge federal anti-drug grants incentivizes departments to pay for SWAT armor and weapons and leads our police officers to abandon real crime victims in our communities in favor of ratcheting up their drug arrest stats, yep. said former Los Angeles Deputy Chief of Police Stephen Downing. Air, um, armored vehicles and bulletproof vests and these kind of things are the those are the tools of SWAT teams. And SWAT teams do mm-hmm. very, very little in order to protect the average American from the kind of crime that they're concerned with. The mm-hmm. average person is concerned with somebody holding them up on the street. You'll hear you'll hear them. They'll say in low crime neighborhoods, you can walk the streets at night. And that's what they want to be they want that's what they want for themselves is they want to be able to walk the streets at night. Yeah. Um and I heard, you know, Speaking of the SWAT teams and, and the militarization of the police, I read uh, or I had a statistic in that video that I was mentioning earlier about the, like the pie chart of what they spend their money on, mm-hmm. saying that 80% of the drug arrests that happen in the U.S. are for simple possession. So in those cases, there's no victim. You know, you don't need a militarized police force with battering rams and, and armor and big guns. To, to to just do the 80% of the arrests. Yeah. So even of all the drug arrests, which are legion out there, 80% of them you don't even need these pieces of equipment for. They're, put, they're putting up these uh, pieces of equipment for this other 20% of arrests, which likely many of those they don't need them for either. I guess. But, I mean, you, you would think that maybe they would be focusing on the people who are committing crimes like to get money for drugs, like burglary, burglaries and stuff like that. It's hard to catch burglars. I mean, but you burglaries, basically have to wait till they mess up. 
yeah, they're they're the least thing that they spend their time going after. Yep. So it's really like turned upside down. The incentives are completely backwards, and it hurts people. We'll find more about, about that here shortly. 855-450-3733. Coming up on the final segment of the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. We can still sneak you in. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. We might still be able to sneak you in here in the final segment of the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark and Stephanie. And uh, otherwise, we're going to read this article by Radley Balco uh, talking about it's why, a good one. Yeah, why uh, why cops go, tend to go after pot smokers instead of real criminals? Quote marks around that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you, it really does make one wonder uh, why. Because I mean, I think most people would say that the chances of uh, most people who have dealt with uh, the police, that you know, the chances of getting back whatever your stolen property is in any kind of unless condition, you do the detective work yourself, yeah. it's very unlikely. It's pretty much you have to do it yourself. Yeah. Um, or you can turn it over to a PI who's then incentivized to run up your hours. <laughs> so that's tough, yeah. tough, tough uh, business. But of course, don't most PIs like find adultering spouses and stuff and. I tends to be what works. Don't they like follow men and like get their credit cards and see if they're cheating on their wives and things like that? And well, the real um, the the real trick is if uh, I I don't really know because I've never hired one. If a wife wants to catch a husband um, wants to catch a husband doing something and they get him in court and that kind of thing is the the new thing is just send a hot girl in um, and with a video camera and a recording device and you know I don't know what that's really. That's really mean. It's I really I mean. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Just know, to, why? Why do you have to have a reason to? Are they trying to use the state to take their money or absolutely. something? Absolutely. Because yeah. if wow. it's if the situation is adulterous, if a divorce is adulterous, then um, you know the the the, the ruling is going to be higher for the uh, the woman or the man. I mean, if it's if the man can prove adultery, but mm-hmm. I don't. You know. Yeah, that's cruel. I, I mean, don't know what actually, the industry I, like. I think I hear. Um, I think I remember hearing something that it is as frequent. It is actually more frequent for women to um, to cheat on their husbands than for men to cheat on their wives. Yeah, I've heard those numbers. I don't know if it's true, but I read it. I've, yeah, I've, I've heard <laughs> those mean numbers. Who, who knows uh, what it is? But I don't know that there's some burgeoning industry of uh, sending young Adonises in uh, and trying to uh, catch women <laughs> in uh, um, you know some compromising position. I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't know. I well, I tend you know, to think sta- it's when you marry the to- state. It becomes difficult in a lot of different ways. There's uh, lots of different reasons that's true. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so back into this article. Last year, police in New York City arrested around 50,000 people for marijuana possession. By the way, mostly black and Hispanic, whereas the general population of New York is not. Um, 
Pot has been decriminalized in New York since 1977, but displaying the drug in public is a crime. I wonder if the average population, I wonder if, I wouldn't think that, uh, that you know, whites are the majority in New York City. I would just think that that's not the case. I mean, I've been there and it seems like a real mm. melting pot to me. Yeah. Um, well, I know that that. I saw a comparison once between the racial breakdown demographics of New York City and who gets arrested for marijuana possession, mm-hmm. and it is grossly disproportionate. Okay. Grossly. I mean... It doesn't surprise me. I'm just... I, I wouldn't think that there's actually a majority in New York City. Yeah, maybe not. Sure. Uh, anyway, so... But displaying it on in public is a crime. So police officers stop people who look, quote, suspicious, frisk them, ask them to empty their pockets, and then arrest them if they pull out a joint or a small amount of marijuana. So, so that's how they get them. They, they ask them to take things out of their pockets. They and then they're displaying it. I see. Uh, it's, it's, well, they do it. So mm. whether or not they're allowed to, they still do. They're, t- they're tricked into breaking the law. And yeah, that really is entrapment, I, I think. Uh, according to a report from Queens College sociologists, there were uh, 33,775 such arrests from 1981 to 1995. And between 1996 and 2010, there were half a million so it jumped up. Yeah, very much so. Several NYPD officers have alleged that in some precincts, police officers are asked to meet quotas for drug arrests. Former NYPD narcotics detective. I think that's almost without uh, that you can't you really can't dispute that. As many reports as I've seen on that, uh, it seems obvious. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was an a arrest average that they have to meet. Yeah, and sometimes they don't call it quotas. Yeah, They'll call it like right, a, it's not a quota. It's an, an arrest average. average. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to hit the hit the average. Yeah. uh, So former narcotics detective for the NYPD recently testified in court that it's common for cops in the department to plant drugs on innocent people in order to meet their quotas, a practice for which the detective himself was then on trial. Hmm. So uh, at the same time, there's increasing evidence that the NYPD is paying less attention to violent crime on trial for it. Then, you know, what, what can you believe of what he says? It's tough. Well, yeah. Although I wonder why a cop would speak up about that. Otherwise, unless he did <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, like, it, what incentive would they have to speak out to break the thin blue line? Otherwise, Not unless much. their butt was on the line, basically. It, but but if somebody's if somebody's trying to get off of a char- of, of a charge, um, yeah. then you can't it's difficult to to believe what they say you know okay well fair enough but he's not the only one who's saying no it. he's and, not even close yeah uh, so at the same time there's increasing evidence that the NYPD is paying less attention to violent crime in an explosive village voice series last year current and former NYPD officers told the publication that supervising officers encourage them to either downgrade or not even bother to file reports for assault, it's true. robbery, and even sexual assault. So what they're trying to do is um, they've been attempting to clean up New York's image. And to some <laughs> so extent, they just report that there are less crimes. It's absolutely true. Absolutely wow. what they've done to some extent is just not reporting violent crimes. And they've uh, gone on this, uh, the broken window theory, which is different than the broken window fallacy. The broken window theory, which is that if a uh, neighborhood, if you allow a broken window to remain in a neighborhood, that neighborhood will deteriorate and crime will increase is the uh, basically the idea. So they're busting people for small crimes, which include drug possession and that kind of thing, and then trying to show that their theory works by busting people for mm. small crimes and then not reporting uh, crimes like assault and uh, you know the, wow. so the more robberies and more major crimes. Thank goodness we have lots of blogs and public you know and the internet to actually tell the real story of what's going on. You're not going to get it from the government. 
Yeah, and I don't believe New York is crime. Like, does does anyone actually look at their crime statistics that come from the police and say, yeah, these are totally accurate. I believe that there's well, no that, crime in New York City. I think a lot of people have come to the conclusion that New York has cleaned up its image. And I think that, you know, I, I, I don't did not feel endangered when I was in New York City. I don't know if the crime is greater or lesser than it used to be. Maybe it is lesser than it used to be. Maybe they're just trying to show a, a continued diminishment in the crime. I don't I don't know what they're trying to do there. But, you know, maybe maybe crime is lower in New York than it has been. I, I, all I can do is go sort of on perception. And it seems like it might be safer than it used to be. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there was a young woman that spent would... much time there. Yeah, no, neither do I. So it's really hard for me to tell, too. But I just kind of go on what I see uh, online and, and also from other people. I think I think that this power of suggestion is tremendously powerful. So if yeah. you tell people, yes, New York is safer than it used to be, that yes, they'll believe that New York's safer than it used to be. I mean, you know, I mean, it, maybe it's an authority. I think they fudge these statistics, too, with college campuses because they're required to report like the number of different categories of crimes on all college campuses. It's a it's some act called like the it, I don't know. It's named after somebody, and they have to they have to publish those statistics and email. The Maurice it. Chevalier Act. Thank uh, God for little girls. No, I don't think. <laughs> oh my. Uh, no, I don't think so. But they have to make that data public. But so what they do is they have an incentive to underreport. You know, to not file reports for certain crimes. I see. Um, so and then so what the New Yorkers are saying is that since then, um, since the since it came out that possibly the NYPD was not reporting violent crimes. Uh, some New Yorkers have have come out in other publications and said that they've been rebuffed when trying to report a crime, like that they didn't care. And it sounds like kind of what happened to this lady in Chicago, where she was told not you know to quit whining after she was assaulted mm-hmm. by the police chief. Uh, so the most perverse policy may be asset forfeiture. Oh, yeah. Under civil asset forfeiture, police can seize property from people merely suspected of drug crimes. As long as p- police can show even the slightest link of drug activity to a car, some cash or even a home, they can seize it. In the majority of cases, most of or all of the seized cash goes back to the police department. That's right. And in some cases, the department has taken possession of cars as well, but generally non-cash property is auctioned off with the proceeds then going back to the department. Turning them into cash. Talk about a perverse incentive. Right. If you catch a drug dealer in a nice car and that car only sells for, say, $10,000 at the auction, so what? It's 10000 bucks for the cops. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and but ask yourself, how much money are the cops going to get by busting that uh, rapist or that murderer or that burglar? Zip. Zero. <laughs> Nothing. So, I mean, where would you where would you allocate your assets if you were running this organization? This These organizations have perverse incentives. They do. Yeah, they really do. And when you have perverse incentives, you're going to get perverse results. And we've got a perverse law enforcement setup here in the United States. It's With a sad. bunch of perverts in it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. No. <laughs> well, I mean, but... so In order if, to be perverted, they'd have to be different. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if an innocent person has property seized, they must go to court to prove their property was earned legitimately. Right. So even so if they... you're trying to prove something in court. <laughs> it's not my job to prove anything. It's supposed to be your job to prove I didn't. Yeah. Guilty until proven innocent. You can, uh, in the meantime, uh, check us out at freetalklive.com. We will be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. And it's freetalklive.com. It's been Mark with you. And Stephanie. Thanks for listening. Free Talk Live. Freetalklive.com. <laughs>